Credit Card, brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Aer Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift, with Air Credit Card, you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards. The only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to takeoff. Bank of Ireland, begin. Over 18s only, acceptance criteria, lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Euro. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Between the Lines with Andrea Gilligan. This is News Talk. You're welcome along to News Talks Between the Lines programme with myself, Andrea Gilligan, where we'll be taking a closer look at some of the main issues or areas of interest. Coming up today, with plenty of coverage of the election count in News Talk this weekend, we're going to hear more about the actual role and work of local councillors and how local government actually works or doesn't in a lot of cases. Recently, I spoke to Dr. Owen O'Malley from the School of Law and Government at DCU, Grace Tallon, Labour Councillor for Dunleary Rathdown, who's decided to step away from local politics, and it began with Bobby O'Connell, Kerry Councillor and the General Secretary of LAMA, the Councillor's Trade Union, who started by telling us what exactly the purpose of a county councillor is. Well, a purpose of a county councillor is to, is to represent your area, uh, whatever given elected area you happen to be in. Um, a lot of issues come up, planning, housing, roads, Roads are very, uh, very important in rural areas. Wouldn't be as part, uh, wouldn't be as predominant in, with say, in big urban areas, but very important in rural Ireland for you know, school transport. You know, people uh, transgressing the roads every, you know, every morning, mm. and coming and going to work. You have uh, lots of issues like that. You know, it's 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 never ending. But uh, I can assure you that. You know, you want shortage of issues wouldn't be a problem when it's done here anyway. <laughs> we are talking to you today, though, I suppose, primarily really in your role as the General Secretary of LAMA, which is my understanding is that it's kind of effectively the, the trade union body, if you like, for local councillors. Just explain what it is that LAMA does, Bobby. Well, you have two representative bodies for councillors in Ireland. And the first question you might be inclined to ask, what do we need two, two, two bodies for? Uh the, the, the group that I'm involved in and General Secretary of is LANA. That's the Local Authority Members Association. And what we do is uh, we represent councillors and take their, you know, represent trying to get better conditions, same conditions, and and uh, and that for them because, we, you know, as we all know, they're underpaid. AILG then would be more for policy and for training councillors in, 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 diff- in different aspects of local government. Do you enjoy the work? Well, I'm passionate about the work. That's why I got involved in it, because I suppose my experience of a councillor over for almost 30 years now, I can see that, you know, I think councillors are very, very badly treated by successive governments. Um, I think uh, they're underpaid, they're overworked. And why I got, I got involved in, in, in LAMA was to try and do something about this. Now, we had a little bit of success, uh, particularly with the PRSI. We were paying uh, a K-class uh, PRSI for the last since two, the year 2000, absolutely getting no benefits whatsoever from it. I think the only other class of people that I knew that were in that were, were uh, Protestant ministers. Why they were in that class, I don't know. But to be fair, the current Taoiseach, uh, when he was minister for social protection, uh, changed that and put us in S class. So now we do. You know, you can get your teeth cleaned. You can do that. We were absolutely getting no benefits from it before. But 
Uh, there's lots of issues like that, you know, that we have to fight on the ground mm. and, to, and to try and to, 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 to take up with, with, with the various departments. OK. C- can I just ask you as well, Bobby, um, in, in terms of the, the kind of work that you do? Because I think sometimes the mem- members of the public are slightly removed and ha- have a kind of a, a, a d- different understanding as to what it is a local councillor does. Sometimes there can be confusion that you're part of the doll on nearly a six-figure six salary. But just explain for people what it is that you do, Bobby, day to day, roughly. Well, just, just to clarify that, we work harder than most people in the doll, I'd say, but we, we, do, we don't get the same remuneration. We get 9.84 an hour, roughly. But anyway, what we do is uh, we make county development plans. Now, they're very important for any county, especially a tourist county like my own, and environmentally uh, a very important county like Kerry, uh, which is a huge responsibility in relation to zoning land and we we have to zone land to put, well no we have to protect the environment mm. it can, and it can be very very contentious if you want some if, if you want some of that land and you're told you can't build houses and you can't sell sites in it the economic of the value uh, value it devalues very very quickly we also have a budget of 150 million uh, a year in Kerry no that's I'm just talking about the Kerry budget the one I would be familiar with which includes housing uh, roads uh, environmental protection, every kind. You know, it's, it can be very, very important. And I mean, um, we have to we have to pass this budget. Budgets can be very, very contentious. Um, local property tax. We set what people pay in uh, give or take fifteen percent. We have that much discretion every year as to how how much uh, people will pay. Yeah. So you know, there's there's quite there's quite a lot involved. And and uh, now that's from outside the day to day stuff that you would help a person with a planning application. Uh, give them advice, tell them, you know, you won't get planning in such an area. Don't be wasting your time or your money. Um, you know, the, people come to us in, in, in deputations. We bring them into meetings to make representations for their areas in relation to roads, uh, safety, all that kind of stuff. So okay. there's, there's quite a lot involved. Just to clarify one thing for me, Bobby, because I just want to kind of introduce really yourself, first of all, and Grace, to, to the listeners so they get a feel for what it is that you're about and why you're involved in local politics. Are you a part-time councillor? I was a part-time councillor. I'm a full-time councillor now because uh, there was no way that I, I, I could have conducted it. Uh, both. I had I had a public house. Uh, I was running a, a pub, and I did it for many years and very successfully. But uh, I found that the two in the finish, I should I just I could not combine the two roles. I was just too busy. Mm-hmm. I was out too much at night, so I was paying somebody else to do the the pub while I was there. But I had to go to these meetings and I had to make a choice in the finish, either give up the pub or give up the politics. So I gave up the pub. So you gave up your, the pub business for a salary of about 16000 a year to work as a county councillor? No. On top of that, I mean, the pubs, pubs in Ireland are not what they used to be. So to be, you know, they, they, it was very hard to make a living out of a pub, especially, like I said, a bit of, but I, mm. found, I found that uh, I wanted to serve my community and I had probably a lot of enough of the pub game as well. Okay. I, honestly, I could not combine the two the two jobs. Okay, we'll get you to stay on the line, Bobby, with us. Um, we're joined as well by Labour Councillor for Dunleary, Rathdown in Dublin, uh, Grace Tallon. Grace, my thanks to you for, for joining us today. Just give us a little bit about your own um, experience and introduction to politics as well. Well, firstly, to say it's been a privilege and an honour to represent the people of Dundrum, especially under the Labour banner, which I'm very, very proud of our record and local government. Um, I suppose I made the very difficult decision to step away from politics now. I'm not closing the door on it forever. I've been a councillor for seven years. I was co-opted in 2011 
And for those who don't know what a co-option is, it's when a councillor steps down and there's an inter-party election. So only Labour Party members can vote. Five people Mm. went forward and I was successful and I was co-opted onto the council. And then it was subsequently elected in a very difficult landscape for the Labour Party in 2014. Mm. And I have made the decision to step away from local politics now because I want to devote myself 100% to my other passion, which is the arts. I recently set up, uh, co-founded a company called Anco. And what we are doing is immersive experiences and trying to support artists and widen an audience base for artists. We recently had a very successful event on International Women's Day where we had a range of artists, um, all female, um, and all performing female composed music. I also work with an organisation called Sounding the Feminists, um, So I suppose while I'm closing the door on local politics, I'm not essentially moving away from politics Mm. as a whole. I believe passionately in the arts as a vehicle for social mobility and I'm involved in music projects in desk schools. So I suppose that's kind of where I'm going now. But after eight years in local government, you're stepping away from active involvement personally yourself in on the county council to focus on your own personal career. Absolutely. And um. Bobby touched on, and, and, and I mean, he's in a very um, good position that he's able to to live off a salary of, of 16 to 18,000. Um, I'm not in that position and it's, it is a full-time job that you're doing part-time. It's incredibly difficult to balance another career and also a work-life balance for any politician at any level is very, very difficult. And we talk all the time about how important it is for every area to have a work-life balance and to get the most out of out of mm. your in, employees and um, we need to look at that in politics. I'm going to come to you Ona Mali in, in just a few moments to kind of give us a bit of a general sense about what's happening in the local government uh, political landscape here in Ireland. Grace can I just get you to just clarify for people because I was talking to somebody last week who told me that you know it's grand for county councillors they're all earning about 60 or 70 thousand euro a year just to be very clear these are all public figures that people have access to online, but the salaries are nowhere near that. Oh, absolutely. And I think that very much, Andrea, speaks to the fact that people don't really know. And that's why I got involved in politics to begin with, was to try and make it a little bit more accessible for younger people in particular um, and to to make it more digestible. And we, we, we make it quite elitist and, you know, language. We use terms that people don't understand and you're not pulling them in. So, um Absolutely not. It's nowhere near 60,000. I do feel that we need to change that. I don't think it's as easy as saying we'll just pay councillors more. I think the whole system needs to change if that's something that we're looking at. And and we are looking at directly elected mayors and and, and changing the whole thing. But, you know, if councillors are being paid more, you need to know that they're doing what they've said Mm. that they're going to do. So it's about 16,000 euro. That's the salary then plus expenses. 18. It's different for, for, for... Dublin councillors, so it's different for for different councils. So it's about eighteen, sixteen for, for to me. eighteen thousand yeah. euro, yeah. and then obviously depending on the boards or the expenses for various committees, etc. I suppose in in layman's terms, that's possibly how councillors can can make money. Yeah, but still, you're you're never going to earn over twenty three. I'd say is the top. Okay, that you can so earn. if you're on every board, so you for can. a young professional, 
is it fair to say it's not an attractive career to go into long term? If you're looking to get a mortgage, for instance, yourself in, in, in the Dunleary Ratdown area, you're going to have difficulty. Absolutely. And I and I did. And they don't take it into consideration. So it's 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 ve- and that's for, you know, every politician. It's not just a councillor. So we do need to look at that. OK, um, let me come to you, uh, Dr. Owen O'Malley, um, from the, the School of Law and Government. You have a master's in public policy in DCU. Uh, Bobby O'Connell talked there a few moments ago about county councillors being badly treated, badly treated by successive governments. Just what's your take on this? Uh, well, a lot of councillors do complain that the department, the department of what's now the Department of Housing, usually the Department of the Environment, doesn't allow councils to do an awful lot. And we can see that councils in Ireland don't raise an awful lot of money. Uh, they don't get an, they don't have an awful lot of money to spend. And so if, if you were to compare us to the rest of Europe, we, where we are an outlier is probably the size of the councils. So our councils are much, much bigger than in other places and also the amount of money that they have to spend. So in Ireland, it's about 7% of the kind of government income is spent at local level, whereas that can go up to 50% in some place like Denmark. So, and even the 7% that they get to spend, councillors will complain, probably with some uh, legitimacy, that the department tries to control everything. So it says, okay, you can spend this, but you can only spend it in this way and you have to make sure you adhere to this and fill out this form and then we might approve it. So they aren't, I mean, it it probably is a misnomer to call Irish local government local government. It's essentially a kind of a local administration service. Uh, And councillors are obviously elected politicians who are expected to be responsive to people, uh, but they don't have a huge amount of power to to get the things done that they might be promising uh, people that they that they say they can do. Yeah, it, it strikes me as being, you know, a sort of a very, I have great admiration for people who put themselves forward for, for local government um, or any election because it's the hardest, you know, job interview you're ever going to have in your life. Uh, you have the biggest interview panel in terms of the number of people that are going to be voting for you. And at the same time, you know, you spend a huge amount of money running an election campaign for which you may not get elected. And we've just heard from Bobby O'Connell who gave up his full-time job as a publican to work as a county councillor for the salary of between sixteen to 18,000. I mean, is is there too much work for too little pay? Uh, in Ireland, it would Ireland again would be unusual in that a lot of councils around Europe they would tend to have maybe uh, thirty or forty thousand people in it, whereas in Ireland the average size of a council is about oh, is over a hundred thousand, and for councils that big, in a, in a way they're the wrong size. They're they're neither regional assemblies nor are they actually local. Uh, and so we'd gotten rid of town councils, mm. which had made some sense because, you know, these were actually local people making decisions about actually their local area. Whereas now we have these kind of pretty big areas where it isn't the local councillors making decisions about local areas. It's, it's people who are kind of 40 or 50 kilometres yeah. away. And so they it would be normal in councils that size that people would get paid effectively a full time salary. And so I think Sinn Féin are proposing at the moment to have in, introduce a salary of, of about 35,000 which would seem uh, reasonable. And I think it is it is unusual. Now, a lot of councillors in the rest of Europe would be representing much smaller areas. And so they wouldn't be, you wouldn't expect to be full time or to be paid much. Uh, it would only be mayors that tend to get paid. Okay. But we are asking them, I mean, you can see 
just like if you if you follow local councillors on Twitter, you can see that they're always at something. Yeah. They're always doing something. They're kind or of it looks as if they are anyway. Uh, <laughs> or maybe they're good at making media. it. Well, I mean, I know my, I'm from a political family and I, I mean, I know that the job of an yeah. elected politician know, is that. not an easy one. No. And you really don't get a day off to spend with your family. You're always doing something. Even when you think you're having a day off on a Sunday going to a match, people will approach you. And mm. uh, so it's a, it's a tough life and a tough job and I still don't know why anybody would want to do it and yeah. it's, it's probably not going to be the money that anybody does it for No anyway. and, th- and that's the thing and Bobby made that point too and we'll come back to Bobby in a few moments about this, this, with the love of serving community and the feeling that you're in a position to, to help people who, who, who need support and, and need assistance Can I just ask you as well Owen, um, just you made an interesting point there about the, the, the role and the powers of the town councils which have obviously already been abolished but is it a case that we have have we too many county councils and too many county councillors when perhaps maybe it's back to the local councils should we have instead? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a problem with our county system. Uh, counties don't make an awful lot of sense. So, I mean, you do, with, with a big city like Dublin, it it makes some sense to have that county uh, as the structure. But when you're talking about somewhere like Leitrim or where I'm, I'm from, Limerick, uh, I was in an area, or I'm from part of the city, that uh, we're going to have perhaps have a directly elected mayor. The directly elected mayor will rule over the whole of the county, so all the way to the Kerry border, but won't rule over what is essentially suburbs of Limerick City that just happen to be in parts of County Clare. And so we have this horrendous adherence to the county and and love of the county system, which may, maybe makes sense in the GAA, although not if you're not from Dublin. Uh, it, But it doesn't make any sense if you're actually trying mm. to design a sort of sensible area. So for somebody from Leitrim, they might want their local town to be represented and that they have representation within their local town. But it should, they also need to kind of think about the wider, say, Midlands West region and where they are in that. Okay. And the councils don't have any any input into that. Can I ask you, Bobby O'Connell, you're still on the line with us, uh, General Secretary of Lama, just um, are there issues that you notice being raised from some of your, your fellow Lama representatives that, again, perhaps too many too many county councillors um, with too many county councils and, and just not enough power to actually do things? No, well, I'll tell you, um, in the last uh, government review that we had in 2014, we lost 700 councillors. All the urban councils were abolished. All the urban councils were abolished. All the, the the town commissions were abolished. Now that left a big void, especially in big urban areas. And the county councillors that were elected, a lot of them in the we say in country areas like myself, and I was elected into the Killarney area. Now Killarney had a very strong urban council there, obviously for the town that it has, very tourist orientated, very good working council. So you took uh, ten councillors out of there, out of that town. That meant, you know, that the void had to be filled and we had to fill it. And I wouldn't agree that there are too many county councillors at all. What's also happening here, uh, this morning now, just to enlighten you, uh, we had an announcement here uh, by Graham Spring that he was no longer contesting. Uh, no, the Springs, as you know, are a dynastic family here in Kerry. And in fact, in Ireland, Dick Spring was tarnished uh, Minister for Foreign mm-hmm. Affairs. And it's the first time it's a... Uh, in 70 or 80 years, we wanted a, a spring for a ballot paper in Tralee. And I was talking to Graham, and he was on Radio Kerry, and he was he was just saying, you know, he could not keep up with the, the amount of work that's involved in it. And his family, he had to give... And, and this is happening all over the country. We're hemorrhaging councillors all over the country. And it's, be, not, it's not because there's too many. It's probably because there's too little. You know, now, um, 
it could, it could probably be streamlined. But no, I would not agree that there's too many councils okay. there. Because we've actually had them among the councils we've had almost since 2014. Yeah, well, particularly in terms of, I suppose, the town councils. And, and that point as well, I know even uh, Owen, or uh, Bobby, I should say, in my own home constituency of Donegal with the abolition of, say, the local town councils in the south of the county, which are actually now in the electoral constituency of, of Sligo, uh, Leet, North Leitrim and, and West Cavan, that um, parts of Donegal, South Donegal, for instance, are represented by people nowhere near the actual catchment area, for instance, the, you know, the very most southern part. Is that an issue you have in Kerry? It is. And I mean, you know, people feel alienated. Now, we had a, uh, a boundary review lately uh, we've, we've, uh, nationwide in relation to, to council areas and municipal districts. And it'll be interesting to see how those go because we found that the last time uh, the areas were just... I mean, we had an area in Kerry, which was southwest Kerry, which was as big as the county of Leitrim. Bigger. And you know, it just, those kind of councils don't, those areas don't work. They're just too big, too, and the votes tend to go, the councils get elected out of the places with the biggest population, obviously. So, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of those areas and parts of those just electoral areas would feel very, very alienated. And that's something mm-hmm. that would, hopefully it was addressed now because we have some four and three seater constituencies now in the, in the country. And it'll be interesting to see how, the, how that develops. Okay, we're just going to take a very short break at the moment. Uh, You're listening to News Talks Between the Lines uh, programme. We'll be back with more from our panel on this issue in just a moment. Between the Lines on News Talk. You're welcome back to the second part of today's Between the Lines programme with myself, Andrea Gilligan. Our topic today, we're discussing the purpose of local government in Ireland and we're asking whether our local councillors should be given more powers and more responsibilities. Our panel, Bobby O'Connell, Kerry Councillor and the General Secretary of LAMA, the Councillor's Trade Union, joins us on the line. Dr Owen O'Malley, who's the Director of the Masters in Public Policy in the School of Law and Government at DCU, is in studio, along with Labour Councillor for Dunleary, Rathdown and the co-founder of Anco Grace Talent. And my thanks to you all for staying with us. I just want to come back to you, Grace, just on a couple of issues you mentioned um, a little bit earlier on or just before the break today. I think some people will be surprised because we talk time and time again about, you know, how do we get um, a greater societal spread of people, you know, into local government? How do we attract more women into politics? How do we get more young women into politics, more young professionals? And here we have somebody like yourself who's sitting on a local authority for the guts of eight years, not contesting. And it's because in many ways you want to pursue Pursue your own personal career because it's just it's too hard to juggle the whole lot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've talked today about increasing councillors' pay and making it a full-time role because realistically that's what it is. So you're not in a position to commit yourself 100% to the council or 100% to the other side of your life, which you have to have because financially it's just not possible. So I think the system that we have now can also prevent people who financially aren't in a position to go into politics because they don't have the luxury of having another. I was a teacher, I am a teacher and and a musician and I was very lucky to be able to do that and be on the council. And I know colleagues of mine are also in, in, in similar positions, but there are many, many people who can't get to meetings because they can't get out of work. Um, and, and that's just not sustainable. Um, and that's the reason mm. why we can't pull more young professionals and women in particular, because it's just not family friendly. Would you, if it was a case that perhaps there was a higher remuneration for the work that you're doing, and it, if, even though you, you, know, you say and any county councillor will tell you the work of a county councillor is a full time gig, would you be more attracted to perhaps continue to pursue this career, a political career? 
I think so, um, but I don't think it's simply to pay councillors more. We need to look at the structure mm. of local government. So we need to look at a directly elected mayor and then possibly a senior cabinet, for instance, and then a, a, a new, you know, you move up into that and you have a certain amount of people who are in a position to make those decisions and then it filters back down through the rest of the council. I don't think it's as simple as saying we'll pay people Oh, more. no, and I'm so, I should um, say, I'm not advocating that we, we just pay county councillors more money, but I suppose I'm trying to figure out a way of how we can perhaps divest more responsibility from uh, central government to the county councils. And, and if that's something that's um, that would be a feasible idea, what, what do you think, uh, Owen O'Malley? Well, arguably it's gone the other way. So, I mean, you used to have VECs, uh, Vocational Education Committees, which the councils had a had a big say in and you got rid of them for the ETBs. Uh the, there were regional health boards and the HSE has taken over them. Uh, even the provision of water has gone, has been become centralised. Mm. So more and more things are actually being centralised. So if we are going to, say, pay councillors more and think about the stru- structure of councillors, we also need to think about, you know, what they get to do and what, what they are doing. Uh, and there is, I think I agree with everybody here that just, just giving them more money mm. isn't going to solve... Uh, solve anything. There, there needs to be a situation which the department gives more power to councils to make decisions about planning and uh, to make decisions about land use and things like well, that. Well, it's funny because even just quite recently or in more recent times, you have the, the strategic housing development unit, which my understanding means that if you have a development whereby you nearly have more than 100 houses, the application now just goes straight to and board Planola. So the local government doesn't even have that that power anymore. Yes, yeah, so the, yeah, they're that now on board Planola is is arguably a, a more powerful planner than uh, than the local councils in in lots of areas, and I think the department might say, well, you know, we if you leave it up to the councils, they won't they won't approve anything uh, because and you, we can see that councillors are putting up posters all over my area of Dublin, just objecting and objecting to any any new development, and so uh, it might be for a reason that uh, that the the department feels that it it just can't allow councils to run themselves because nothing will happen. Can I bring you in, disgrace on that? Where do you see, for instance, if if you were here today with the uh, the, the the minister for local government, John Paul Phelan, what would you be saying to him in terms of where where is there a realistic possibility that you feel that some powers could be divested from central government to more local government roles? Yeah, I think just on what Owen was saying there, I mean, we can't always push the blame back on politicians because as a society, we have to stand over the communities that we want to build. So, for instance, recently, I was the only, well, it was two years ago now, but um, I was the only councillor in my ward to vote for a social housing site in a housing crisis. Um, And a lot of the other councillors in the area didn't vote for, it was only 12 units because the people in the surrounding estate said, we'll never vote for you again if you do that. So it's all very well and good saying you're going to give powers to politicians. Then you're blaming them if they don't vote for it. But really, society, you have to, you know, the people who are electing those politicians have to look themselves at, are they the ones that are, and and, and those are threats, you know, that you're not going to to go out and vote for for somebody because they want to build a community of you know, in a society of equality, the, which is what the they local representatives for. could take a leadership position in these in those times and in those areas, rather than pandering to what are kind of people afraid that there'll be parking issues, there'll be too many cars, it'll add to traffic and congestion and things like that. Rather, uh, and maybe rather than having meetings pandering to those 
concerns, trying to come up with solutions as to how, how, how we can get around them and trying to explain to the people that actually we, we just need to build in your area. I'm afraid that 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 little patch. So is that not why it's probably better than in some cases and perhaps some of these maybe more controversial areas that you're talking about to have the powers actually or the decisions made elsewhere then? Well, so the, the SD, SDZs came in for a reason because there was a, a sense that, well, one, that it was too slow and, and also that people would would block them. And so maybe we we do need them particularly at that time and particularly with these kind of big land banks that we have in certain parts of Dublin that mm. that it, that uh, an authority higher than that can come in and just say, OK, we'll, we just have to build here. OK, just on some of those points, I'm going to come to Bobby and that question in a moment, Grace. But just where is there, is there any one area that you think, you know, um, pretty immediately that more powers could be divested to the likes of yourselves, local government rather than central? Well, I definitely think that planning is one and transport is another. Um, and I think that, you know, if we, we had more powers over over that roads piece, you know, um, I, I think that would be an easier one. Um, definitely planning is is very difficult, but we, you know, I agree with Owen. It's, it's the job of a public representative to explain to people why they're voting a certain way and to stand over what they, what their manifesto is um, mm. and to not walk away from that. So okay. I think planning and transport are, are definitely something that can happen Um Planning a transport future. Okay, can I bring you in, Bobby O'Connell? Just even from, I suppose, the more rural perspective, what do you see as kind of the two key, or perhaps three key areas um, where there could be further powers actually granted to yourselves at a county council level? Well, I suppose if we if we start at the start, really, the reason that the powers are not being devolved to county councillors, and I think the reason a lot of us are, that county councillors are not being paid what they should be paid is because of dull deputies minding their own seats. And you must remember that central government won't evolve these things because it's the deputies are involved there. And they, they, what they're inclined to say to themselves, if you have some young, bright guy coming up, uh, highly qualified, very articulate, I mean, and if he's going to be a threat to the local TD, which they all see them as they are. Now, I've had a lot of dealings with John Paul Phelan, the minister, and, you know, he was very, very accommodating, I have to say but, I mean, he gets frustrated as well when he goes to deeper, which would be part of the Department of Finance and Pascal Dunhus. You know, it's very easy to just say, no, there's an election coming up now. This will be embarrassing. Uh, councillors seem to be an embarrassment to the government, any government of the day, when, it's, when it suits them. That they, they said, look, we can't give you a rise in your pay. We can't grant this. The public aren't going to like it because there's an election. They'll always find an excuse. And, you know, that's the... They'll know that the count. They think that the councils will just have to be subservient to to, to what's happening in relation, and that, I'm, that's indicative of all parties. But you know, this I think that's the one common denominator that's there, and it is it is it is a stumbling block. Mm. Is that that the, the deputies don't they don't want the councils to get more power? They don't want them to get more money because they see them nationally. And I've seen this in every in every, I'm, I'm at it now a long time, and this 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 is a big problem, and that's where a lot okay. of can I ask you, Owen O'Malley, is that a fair assessment? Do you think, just in general terms, nationwide? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, obviously, any TD is their first thing they do is look after their seat, and usually when they're trying to put somebody into a council, if they're co-opting somebody into a council, they they do want to have friendly people rather than threats. Uh, but I'm not sure that the state or the government or the national government is afraid of is it kind of continually living in mm. fear of just losing their seats. I'm not sure why why it is. 
Uh, one of the reasons that the original reason in the 1920s why they took so much power away from councils and introduced this manager system was because of corruption. Uh, and some might say that it was a, was a good idea. Yeah, and is that, I, I mean, I, I can understand that there's probably people listening to the programme today who are saying, well, you know what, I'm actually happier with a lot of the powers and control staying with central government from whatever their reasoning, whatever the reasoning is. But, but going back historically for, for some of those points that you mentioned, is, is that fair? Yeah, well, so in the 1920s, the local authorities were known to be highly corrupt. And so they introduced um, a local manager system where it was a kind of a civil servant or public servant was going to manage the council. And that's the one we continue continue to have. Uh, I think the sense is that if you introduce something like directly elected mayors, there'll be a kind of a more direct link with voters. You'll have somebody who will be easy the directly elected mayor won't be able to kind of turn around and say, oh, I couldn't do this because of blame other people uh, the way that councillors sometimes mm. can when they're and legitimately can say I couldn't do this. Uh, so if you have a directly elected mayor, you'll have a clear person with a mandate. And as long as he or she has got some powers and something to do, like, for instance, as Grace was saying, like control over transport or control over planning, uh, things like that, uh, then It'll be easy. It'll be easier for the voter to kind of say, "Okay, it was her fault. She was the one. She promised this. She didn't deliver. She's got the budget. She's got the powers." And so that might improve things. Mm-hmm. Can I just give us a sense, um, Owen, of what happens in other EU countries? How, how do we compare in terms of the kind of powers that our local county councillors have versus other uh, European uh, counterparts? Well, so I mean, I, th- I think the big issue is the whether they are getting to decide on what they're doing. So they more or less do a lot of similar things. Uh, Possibly in other European countries, you'll have more impact on health and education, uh, where we used to do that with with the VSEs and the regional health boards. So those things have been taken away. Uh, Where, I mean, I think the the big, real big difference uh, between Ireland and other European countries is that uh, just the size of the councils. So we've got much bigger councils here. Uh, whereas, say, if you go to France or Spain, you know, it'll it'll be the small little town of, say, 10,000 people will have its own council. It will make its own decisions about what goes on, on mm. in those places. So it, it probably is the case that there's they have more power because there's a more direct uh, line in democracy. Although we do see in in a lot of local councils in across Europe that there are serious problems with corruption. One of the other interesting points too, I suppose, even though you know you might have a county councillor um, who's sitting on a county council, Grace Tal- or Grace Talon, in some cases, you know, they can the party, for instance, Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil or Labour or Sinn Féin or whatever, might invoke the um, their their the party whip might decide this is our position on whatever issue. This is how I want everyone. This is how everybody's going to vote. And and even at local government level, you know, councillors don't necessarily get to actually give their own view or take on an issue. Well, generally, if you're if you're a, a councillor for the Labour Party, that's what you believe in, and you, you you signed up to this to this manifesto, and these are the policies that that you believe are 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 the way you want to vote. And and again, coming back to the community you want to build. So, if it's social housing, why would you not be voting for it? Because of course, we're in a social housing crisis, and this is the party that support social housing. So um, I, I don't think that, that that's an issue okay. because you wouldn't be running and you shouldn't be if, if those aren't. Um, and, and, and certainly on local government level, there's, you know, there's rarely a time when that, that, that should be a difficulty. It comes back to 
you know, the fear that if you stand up and say, look, well, this is what I believe in and whether people are going to say, well, I'll never vote for you again. You know, you're standing up and you're saying that this is what I said I was going to do when I came looking for your vote at, at the beginning mm. uh, of this term and 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 seeing that through. So um, on local government level, I don't think that the party whip is as much of an issue as it is okay. um, for broader issues in, in the Dáil. Can I ask you just that same question as well, Bobby O'Connell? Uh, could I just uh, just one thing there in relation to what Owen was saying about directly elected mayors, if I might. Yeah. Um, we'd be very cautious about that in, in Lana. You know, uh, you see, what, what you would want to avoid here is that uh, various parties parachuting in personalities, which would probably get elected. Mm. The kind of know, the, ce- the celebrity candidates. Correct. And would absolutely know nothing about local politics, national, about any politics whatsoever, but would look good in a poster and, you know, maybe a big hit at the time, but down the line then you might find that they're not up to the job for mm. obvious reasons. But I suppose the other, the other side of that though is, I mean, that's really up to the, the electorate. If the electorate vote in the foolish celebrity who ends up doing nothing and doesn't know anything about local government, like, is that not a case that that should just come back on the electorate for putting them in there? Absolutely, yeah, but that's, that's the point I'm making and that has happened. And it, uh, but should it, you know, is the is the system we have not working okay at the moment? I'm, I'm just saying now that we we'd, we'd be we'd be cautious in relation okay. to that, you know, because it is it's it's it, it's you know we're trying to be pragmatic about it. But if you're having directly elected mayors, you want somebody that's that's up that's up to the job. Of course, the the the, the public will decide it. But uh, you know, I mean, at the like, what, we'd be very very wary about parachuting in personality here personality candidates. Okay. That's, that's Just on that, the, the idea of the party whip at local government, is that problematic in any way? Uh, it can be, uh, but, you know, it generally works quite well. You see, the reason for the party whips, I suppose, is to stop some mavericks within the party uh, just going their own way and not doing something for the common good, which can be, which we've all, we've all encountered this in our own parties. The party whip is, is, is something, you know, that that's, People generally don't like, but they have to accept it when they're in the party because it's it's, it's in relation to what to, to what um, we were saying. What I go about putting a housing, uh, social housing in some area, and if the party decided it was a good thing, the local the local rep mightn't think so. But if he's if he's under the whip, uh, he, you know he'd have to vote for it at least up saying he couldn't go against it. That's that's the reason for the party whip. Okay. Can I just ask you, Ono Mali, just by comparison to other EU countries, just on a couple of those points there that Bobby mentioned, just the idea of, I suppose, the you know the the maverick or the councillor who's going to go rogue on a party issue, and then also on the idea of the kind of the the celebrity candidates for the the local um, the locally elected mayors. Just what's your view on those? Well, Bobby obviously doesn't want the gooch running in Kerry. Um, it you, I think you do find that there are celebrity candidates running for, and so when they introduce them in the UK. Some very often actually the it was independents got elected as mayors rather than party people, uh, and so and the, and there is an element of celebrity. Now I suppose being celebrated or a celebrity isn't necessarily a bad thing, and I mean it might depend on whether you've got uh, are you are you giving the directly elected mayor the sort of resources that he or she might need mm. in order to run things. So will they have a significant staff that? Has expertise that can be a counter a reasonable counterpoint to the to the county manager or what was the county manager, um, and so those things. 
whips. I mean, I don't think a whip system is is a big issue okay. in local councils. It doesn't it doesn't seem to be something that is a problem the way that people complain about it we're, in the door. We're going to just continue our discussion uh, on this particular topic in a few moments' time. You're listening to News Talks Between the Lines program. We'll be back with more from our panel in just a moment. Between the Lines on News Talk. You're welcome back to the final part of today's Between the Lines programme with myself, Andrea Gilligan. On the programme today, we're discussing the purpose of local government and we're asking, should local councillors be given more powers and responsibilities? Our panel, Kerry Councillor and the General Secretary of LAMA, Bobby O'Connell, joins us on the line today. We're joined in studio by Grace Tallon, who's a Labour Councillor for Dunleary Rathdown, and also Dr Owen O'Malley, who's the Director of the Masters in Public Policy in the School of Local Government and DCU. Um, One of the things I think that kind of strikes me about this grace today is the fact that it's the, the the impact that local politics can have on on a person's um their their private business or on their their professional career and we've heard from both you and Bobby in in that context but what impact does that have on um the makeup of local government you know going forward I mean if so many people are leaving because it's not a full-time job does that mean we're going to have certain elements of certain aspects or areas people from society that won't be included now in local authorities well, it won't be represented, I should say. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. But the, the the point of so many people leaving, I think that's not quite accurate. Um, we have, 40, the Labour Party have 48 councillors, 38 of which are running again. Um, we have 100 candidates um, all across the country running. So, and we've, we've many, many young councillors, many young women running. Um, so it still is a, a very attractive um, career, part-time career. Um, and it's something that, um, you know, Lots of people use it as a stepping stone, but I mean, it's a it's a very fulfilling career, and it's and and if you're very passionate about about community and about social justice, um, it's certainly something that I would recommend anybody to 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 put their their name in the hat for. Um, it's it's the finance piece that I think will cause issues going forward. Mm. Um, and elections, as we talked about earlier, are incredibly expensive things to run. Um, you're putting your own money into something that may not happen for you. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's limiting in terms of who can possibly go forward. And that's not right because we need to represent all of society. So um, it is. It, and, and look, we've, we've talked about it for many, many, many years. Um, and I don't think we're going to get to the answer um quickly mm. but um we're moving towards changing um the system and i think the sooner that happens the better it will be for for all of the country um to see that we have a broader spectrum okay. of of people represented on the council bobby can i ask you the same question like should the makeup of the council not be reflective of society and that's probably not really the case now no i I'll, I'll, I'll tell you now an unusual one that you that you wouldn't be expecting to hear this morning and that's in relation to, I had um, members of LAMA who were unemployed that ran for the council. We said I ran for the council the last time and they got elected. Uh, and put more on, uh, in the big urban areas. And uh, quite a number of them got elected the last time because there was a big shift to the left, to the extreme left. But what I've been finding now lately, uh, we'll say halfway through, they actually found out they were unemployed and they were drawing their benefits. But the fact that they were getting a small salary from the council, it was infringing on their benefits and they were losing some of their benefits. So they actually finished up worse off than they would have been if they, before they went into politics. You know, and 
they found, you know, that uh, some of them stepped out of politics for that, for that, for that reason. That you know, when they, they were they were losing some of their benefits, we'd say if they were over the threshold for a medical card, that would be valuable to them, and they lost that they were getting out. So, you know, it's prohibitive as well in that sense. Whereas if they were getting a proper wage, uh, they, they they would have stayed in positive. Mm-hmm. So, so that's reflective of what you were, in relation to what you were seeing in relation to you know uh, across all that all areas should be represented. But it's not only uh, it's not only uh, inhibiting the people that are working, but it's also inhibiting the people that are not working. Okay. Can I ask you, Owen O'Malley, just on, on those uh, various points raised by, by Grace and Bobby there, just in terms of kind of the makeup of the local authority and, and the cost associated with trying to run an election campaign? Yeah, so it, it, they're not cheap to do. And obviously we can see that nobody makes money out of being a local councillor. Uh, and then the hours are not family friendly. So it probably means that you'll you'll find that Women are less likely to want to go for it because ch- uh, child rearing has tends to fall predominantly on women, uh, and then particularly women of, of certain ages, uh, because you know if you've just had a child, then it becomes very difficult to you know head off to meetings in the evening, and so, so it 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 is the case that women will be underrepresented because of the sort of part time evening nature of the job, and so maybe. Uh, councils, especially big councils like Dublin, need to con- reconsider whether they have when they have their meetings and what what times they do things mm. at. I think some of them actually have them in the afternoon, aren't they? They're early afternoon around the four o'clock mark. Even I, suppose, pro- I assume to try and facilitate is that the yeah. The, the, I mean, Dublin City Council I think start their meetings at three o'clock. But okay. again, I mean, again, that's prohibiting people who are in a full time job. You know, so it's very difficult to. It's a part time job. Are you starting at five o'clock? Even five o'clock is very difficult for people to get to. I mean, for a mother, for instance, if you're waiting for your husband to come home from work, is he going to be home at five o'clock? Is he going to be home at half four for you to get to a meeting at five? Who's minding the children at three o'clock? You know, it's it's. It, it's very, very difficult to to manage that that time for both um, fathers and mothers. I wouldn't say, and and of course, yes, generally it it falls on the mm. mother. But I think it's not family friendly, so okay. um, it's very difficult for both people too. Can Can I ask you as well, um, Owen, just in a couple of the points made too earlier today about that kind of the, the 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 move that there is underway to try and change already some of the 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 current. Um, regime, if you like, for county councillors, particularly in terms of the re- the remuneration. Just talk us through actually what's happening there or what efforts are being made to try and address that. So there is a, at the, at the moment, there is a report being produced uh, by a senior council who's looking at the remuneration, remun- yeah, that's an awful word, remuneration <laughs> um, of, of councillors, uh, uh, Sarah Moorhead. And and so that report has gone to uh, John Paul Field and the minister, uh, but not, I haven't I haven't seen exactly yeah. w- what's in it. Uh, uh, Sinn Fein suggests that there should be a thirty five thousand euro, effectively salary, and that 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 would be it. Uh, and so that you I mean you could argue even that isn't a, isn't a big salary uh, if you're trying to pay a mortgage in Dublin. That's not at all a big salary. I mean, it might be okay. In, in certain parts mm. of the country, but uh, it you still won't be going into the job uh, for the money. So I mean, there will continue to be problems and you probably won't, you'll find that there isn't a, an ideal scenario. So you can't, I mean, you can't have it at night. If, can you have the meetings in the morning? Probably difficult to do. Uh, at three o'clock, you know, then that's who's collecting kids from school and things like that. So there probably isn't an ideal time. Maybe it is to move in certain places like Dublin to a kind of full time but then maybe have a have a slightly smaller council where you've got a smaller number of people who are who are completely full time 
and then perhaps to bring back things like urban district councils who are part-time, so people, there are kind of 10 people, say, in a place like Tralee or Killarney making decisions about Tralee and Killarney, mm. but they're not, this isn't their full-time job, this is a, this is a part-time okay. thing. Do you see any of these changes happening in the kind of foreseeable future? Well, we you, well, as far as I can see with John Paul Phelan, he does seem to be pretty active about this and he, he he's trying to make changes and I, I presume part of it is at the moment what he's trying to do is to bring some sort of consensus uh, before moving forward. One of the things, one of the, I mean, the structural changes that they're making in terms of this kind of size of the counties, so kind of making, getting rid of city councils, those things are meant to be progress, but I'm not sure that they necessarily are. And so they're they're making it that, uh, like Galway City, what was, say, a, a, having a Galway City Council makes sense. And it doesn't make a huge amount of mm. sense to have people from the Iron Islands sitting on making decisions about what happens inside Galway City. OK, just can I bring you in, Bobby, finally as well, just for today, um, on the kind of changes you would like to see just brought about now as part of this report from a LAMA perspective? Well, from a now perspective, I suppose, you know, obviously uh, we have to pay councillors properly and we have no pension scheme. You know, we remain one of the, probably the only public servants who will receive no access, you know, to any occupational pension scheme. And this this will have to be addressed because, uh, you know, you can have a councillor there which between 30 and 40 years and he bows out. And at the end of the day, every five years, the, the, the public adjudicate on whether you're doing your job properly or not and... and you know, you get toughed out and there's absolutely no pension scheme there whatsoever. Okay. Uh, there, is, there is a gratuity. And, you know, there's, we've, we've spoken at length now about, about the pay, but I think the pension scheme is, is a big one for councillors too. Can I just bring you and give the final word to you, Grace Tallon, as soon as you're, you're not contesting the election this time round. But um, like, like just some of those points raised, particularly around that Sinn Féin proposal of a, about a €35 Euro salary, somewhere in the region of kind of the average industrial wage and more powers and pension. Are they the kind of things you think that people who have an interest in getting into politics down in the, in the future, are they the kind of things they're looking for? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, Owen touched on 35,000 is is not going to get you a house in Dublin. And I think you have to look at that if you're looking at getting, you know, a, a broad spectrum of people involved in politics, even if you're offering them 35,000. I don't think that's enough. I think merely offering more is not the answer. You have to look at it structurally. There has to be sort of, I would say, a senior cabinet and a directly elected mayor and then possibly they're earning more and they have more powers and then it filters down through. I think that's the answer. Um I think blankly looking at a 35,000, I don't think that's going to make okay. much of a difference. It's, you know, in and around 10,000 euro more, it's not going to make much of a difference to people's situations financially. I'm sure when we get the publication of that report from the Minister for this area, it'll be something that'll be well thrashed out and discussed at that time. If you've any views on the issue today, you can let us know by emailing between the lines at newstalk.com or get us on Twitter at myself at Andrea Gilligan. My thanks to our panel for joining us, Grace Tallon, Labour Councillor for Dunleary Rathdown and co-founder of AMCO, Bobby O'Connell, who's a Kerry Councillor and also the General Secretary of LAMA and Dr Owen O'Malley who's the Director of the Masters in Public Policy in the School of Law and Government at DCU. My thanks to you all for joining us today. If you've missed any of the programme you can download our podcast on newstalk.com or search for News Talks Between the Lines in iTunes or any other podcast player. My thanks to the production team Elaine Power and Stephen Jordan. I'll be back again with Breakfast Briefing on Monday morning from 6 and with Between the Lines next Saturday evening from 8pm. But for me, Andrea Gilligan, have a great day. Air 
Credit Card, brought to you by Bank of Ireland in partnership with Aer Lingus. Whether you're buying your weekly basics or splurging on a special gift, with Air Credit Card, you'll collect Avios and unlock even more rewards. The only credit card in Ireland that gives you travel rewards as you spend. Sign up now by searching Bank of Ireland Air Credit Card and go from tap to take off. Bank of Ireland, begin. Over 18s only. Acceptance criteria, lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Subject to a monthly fee of €7.99 and annual government stamp duty of €30. Euro. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.